This is the PR Podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now here's your host, Jody Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR Podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, have you got yourself a PR podcast plug yet? You know, this is the easiest way to self-promote. And I often say, and I'm guilty of this too, that as PR professionals, we are horrible at promoting ourselves. We're great at promoting our clients, but when it comes to me promoting myself, I stink. (laughs) So I created this to make it really easy for all of you listening to promote yourself. Um, and it's by simply getting yourself a PR podcast plug. Send a DM to at the PR podcast on Twitter. Tell us about your passion project. It's your blog. It's your newsletter. It's your website. It's not your nine to five. It's not the thing that makes you a paycheck. Now, maybe you got a passion project that makes you a paycheck. And if you do, my hat off to you because I do not have one of those and I would love to have one of those. But you get the point. Um, send us a note at the PR podcast on Twitter. Let us shout out your passion project and give you a PR podcast plug at the top of an upcoming episode. We have got a terrific guest to talk to this week and in another area that I'm not terribly familiar with, so I'm going to be doing some learning. Here we go. Johanna Kaba is co-founder and communications manager at JM Integrated Marketing in North Carolina. As a PR professional, she has worked in government and the nonprofit sector. She has a passion for sharing her knowledge on communications and marketing, especially for small business owners and entrepreneurs. Sounds like she is tailor-built for our podcast here. Johanna, welcome to the PR Podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. So tell us about what you do, Integrated Marketing Communications. What is it? Help us define it. So Integrated Marketing Communications, or IMC for short, it can be defined as a marketing strategy that recognizes the value of having a comprehensive plan that evaluates the strategic roles of a variety of communication disciplines, including advertising, public relations, personal selling, and sales promotion, and combines them to provide clarity, consistency, and maximum communication impact. Okay, um, so basically it's it's, take, it's taken a whole bunch of different disciplines. So maybe yep. I did know about this and I just didn't realize <laughs> I did. So it's taken a whole bunch of different things um, kind of what we do at the agency that I'm associated with and we and packaging it all into one and making it talk to each other. Yes, exactly. Got it. Got it. So go ahead. So the key to IMC here is consistency. And I think that's the key with anything you do in life for marketing, PR, education, learning new things, anything. Um, consistency here will help us optimize the message we are trying to convey. Um, we like you just said, we need to be highly collaborative and bring together people and functions that historically don't communicate. Because if we think about back in the day, marketing didn't communicate with PR advertising. They each just did their own thing. But bringing all of these functions together helps create a more consistent feel. So you would bring in marketing, advertising, PR, social digital media, graphic design, website design and development, event production, sales, and so on. And all these various groups or departments must build collaboration to deliver that single cohesive message throughout the entire organization. And that's the best way to optimize the message you're trying to convey. Yeah, that makes total sense, right? And, and it comes down to something as simple as 
um, you know, something as simple as if you're buying an ad in a particular publication, you should also probably be pitching the editorial side of that publication, right? Because even though there's that, you know, left and right side of the of the hallway where advertising and paid sits on one side and the newsroom is on the other side and on paper, never the twain shall meet. We all know that they all use the same bathroom and the same water cooler, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the reality, the reality and there are people, right? And, and, yep. and, you know, we as PR people have a vested interest in making sure that these publications survive. Uh, in other words, you know, i.e. get paid. Um, so, so it's not, it's not unusual or ridiculous at all, I think, to, to maximize, as you said, the power of maybe your paid campaign by also pitching uh, editorial in, in the same way and let those editors that are sitting in the newsroom make their, their editorial judgment, but you know, make, it, make it fire on all cylinders in the same place, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything works best when you're consistent with your message and also I mean, it just looks more professional if your PR is coming out at the same time as your marketing and advertising. And I think that's something that maybe some people or maybe some small business owners or new entrepreneurs, they don't realize. They might just focus all of their eggs in one basket, like we say, just focus on social media or just focus on marketing or advertising versus creating something, an actual plan that's strategic. Yeah, strategy is what it's all about. So, so how do you go about kind of devising this plan, this blueprint for um, how you make all these seemingly disparate disciplines talk to each other? How do you, how do you go about it? So, of course, it's it's going to depend on your setting and your and the company that you're working for. It might be a huge company that has separate departments. I think. The key there is to have all of the department heads talk to each other. So you create an actual plan before creating any um, any collateral or any materials, for example. But in, in sometimes in a small environment, like a small business or maybe a new nonprofit, it might just be one person doing everything. And I think the key there is to take time and sit and first learn about your organization, learn about what it is that you want people to know, focus on your key messages. What is it that you want people to remember about you? And then from there on, I would say the other thing is researching your competitors, see what they're doing. And that's something that everybody does from marketing to advertising to PR. You have to research to see what's going on in the industry, what's working for someone, what's not working and see how you can implement it yourself. And I think the key to yeah, making it all more. seamless um, is from day one, before you even write down your plan is making sure that everybody is communicating and communication would be the key here because if I'm doing something that the marketing department doesn't know about, it's gonna clash. So it's better to communicate, run ideas off each other and work on a plan together that way, the strategy gets more, it gets more engagement, gets optimized, and it's overall better. Yeah, well, it's so true. I mean, and, and we have the, these conversations at the agency that I'm at, um, you know, because you've got the marketing folks and the paid media folks who are sitting down and devising campaigns, and they're putting a lot of time and effort into researching and developing uh, copy, taglines, you know, ways you talk about the brand or the thing or the whatever it is, um, and, and you're creating that language, right? And then um, if you're not sharing it over with the PR people, 
um, you're kind of wasting your energy because the PR people need to need number one, they need their own copy, right? They need to, mm -hmm. they need yeah. to be talking about the thing that's being promoted. Um, doesn't it make a whole lot more sense to use the same language, um, maybe written in a PR style, but use exactly. the same language that's already been developed. You're kind of reinventing the wheel if you do it in another way, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it, it one, it saves time. And two, like I said before, it just helps that message be consistent everywhere. So you know exactly what the company is about. Yeah, consistency key. So there are so many of these different vehicles across integrated marketing communications, right? You've got the PR, you've got the advertising, but you mentioned too, there's social, um, and then there's, there's lots of different ways you can uh, leverage that paid message. Are there some, in your mind, are there some key or core um, components of an integrated marketing message? Like, do you, like, if you do nothing else, you got to have this, this, and this? I would say if you do nothing else, I would focus on the overall marketing just because from your marketing copy, you can repurpose that content for social media and you can repurpose it for PR if need be. If a journalist is reaching out to you, you can use that content. Okay, so the messaging starting with with the marketing campaign, mm -hmm. with, with what you're doing to create yeah. the paid ads, you think? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I, th I think that makes a lot of sense. I, th I think you could do that. Now, if you, let's say you don't have the money, you're a small brand and you talked about, you know, small companies sort of maybe even doing it themselves. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the resources to put into a big dollar marketing campaign, um, what's your fallback? Is your fallback PR or is your fallback someone who sort of sits in the communications area who can start to develop those messages? What do you do if you're a small mom and pop shop? Well, if you're a small mom and pop shop, I would actually focus on social and digital media because that's a way to really push your message and reach your target audience and even expand beyond your target audience at a low cost. And if you do want to do marketing and ads through there, you a small budget will take you a long way. So I would think that that would be the fallback for very small shops. Um, and also that leads again to PR. PR is free, but if you don't know how to do it properly, you might not get any, any journalist biting that, getting to you. So I think- Yeah, right. It's, it's free, but it can also be yeah. very expensive, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> expensive in a different way. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you don't do it right. You're going you're gonna to have to spend a lot more on a crisis communicator oh, yeah. to get you out of the hole you dug. Right, I hear you. So now you were also telling me that you really like um, to teach and I've got to imagine, you know, sort of pass along your knowledge. I got to imagine too, that you're um, even outside of a formal teaching uh, experience that you're always passing along knowledge to your clients, right? Yes, definitely. I always try to, if they don't know something, I try to help and teach it so that at least they, if they're not going to do it themselves, at least they understand why I'm doing those things. And then I always like to share and point people to my website because I share a lot of my knowledge there from integrated marketing to social media, PR, brand journalism, and so forth. Yeah, you've got a great blog set up there at jmintegratedmarketing.com. So people should check that out for sure. 
Um, but another thing you told me you wanted to talk about here today was, was what they don't teach you in the PR classroom. And I know that there are a, a fair number of listeners to the podcast who are um, just getting started in public relations. Um, you know, we should all always be learning, but there are some uh, folks who are just getting started who listen uh, out there. I wonder if you could talk to them a little bit about some things that they don't teach you in the PR classroom and what they need to be watching out for. So it's funny you should mention that because I think there's two things that I personally didn't learn in the PR classroom. And one of those was how to actually manage and plan and execute a press conference. And that's that's huge for PR. And I think one of the things there that you need to know is that you need to plan ahead of time. And it's not just sending out a press release and hoping the media shows up, it's sending that media advisory, contacting the media, especially for something urgent, like make an actual phone call, don't just rely on the email. Um, and then you also need to actually set up the event, whether that's with designated seating so that the people that are going to be speaking are right up in front and then can move easily. And also designating an area that's just for the media. You should want to greet and meet your journalists and guide them to where they need to go, share the press release with them, answer any questions that they may have and make sure that you're setting things up properly. And then another thing with that is if you're not going to have a Q&A session at the end of your press conference, at least make sure that whoever your spokesperson is, whether it's the chief executive or let's say the governor, that they have time and interview with the camera person. They have an interview with the journalist. I think that's important to know because I didn't know that and I learned that on the job. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then another thing that I noticed that they don't really teach you is how to pitch the media. And that's something interesting because when I first started working in PR, I had this degree and I had this knowledge, but I didn't actually know how to push the media. Again, here I learned on the job. And I think the important things there that newbies and even experienced PR professionals should know is that you, you need to keep it short and concise because journalists are inundated every day with hundreds, if not thousands of pitch emails. And you should try to keep it short, maybe five to seven sentences. And personalizing is the key. You should want the journalists to know that you do follow their content and you know what they write about, you know what their beat is. So try to personalize it maybe with mentioning a recent article that they did. Um, that's a good way to make that connection and really make your pitch stand out as well as doing some of the legwork for the journalists, like getting an expert or a spokesperson so that they can interview them and making that known in the email, because I think those are good ways of getting the journalist to respond to you and want to work with you. Those are all great, great observations and great tips. Um, and it calls to mind something that I think I have said almost every episode for the last four or five episodes, and I don't know why I'm saying it so frequently, but it is true um, that as PR people, we have um, just as much um, interest, or we should have just as much interest in helping the reporter as we do helping the client. In other words, um, representing the client and telling their story to the reporter, but also in that, in that vein, making sure the reporter has all the information that they need and being that mm -hmm. assistant to the reporter so that they have the information, as you said, the information, the interview, the photo, the video, the social media handles, the, all that stuff. And that goes back to what you said about being prepared, setting everything up. Um, you know, I think one of the, the rookiest mistakes that we can make 
um, is whenever we write something, whether it's a media advisory, come to my event and cover it, or it's a press release, here's some information that we'd like you to, you know, find interesting and report on, that people don't put the social media handles of the client and any other relevant players in the release and put it like call it out in bold right down whether it's at the top or the bottom or wherever of the release um and i i used to be i'd love to get your uh, opinion on this too because i used to be a fan of of hyperlinks in the release now i may still use a hyperlink you know for the client in the first paragraph something like that but more and more i find myself not using so many hyperlinks in the text of the what i write but instead just calling it out at the bottom, you know, saying follow client X on Facebook at, at Instagram at, at TikTok at, and sort of spelling it out, making it really obvious. What do you do? I agree with that. I would actually, I haven't done this before, but I would actually lean towards what you're saying because even when somebody's reading just the press release, they might not want to click on the link and take their attention away from what they're reading and, and learning about. So having it at the bottom and bolded out, spelled out for people is actually the best thing to do, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad, glad we agree there. Um, and, and using, I also caught a, uh, I want to get your opinion on this too, because I caught a thread on Twitter the other day. Um, it was actually a reporter who was complaining about um, getting too many attachments in oh. <laughs> press, press releases and things, right? And mm -hmm. I, am, I am like a, you know, do not send any attachments that are not solicited guy. Yeah. <laughs> like if someone <laughs> asks me for the photo, fine, I'll send them the photo. Um, but otherwise, I am either sending a very low res version of the photo and saying high res available, right? So maybe they can see yeah. it and say, oh, that's a good photo. Give me the, give me the mm -hmm. real version. Or I'm just putting everything in a Google Drive or something like that. And so I actually polled people on Twitter, um, which ones preferred, Dropbox, Google Drive, or WeTransfer, because I've used that a couple of times with some TV desks, and overwhelmingly came back Google Drive. What do you use? I use Google Drive because one, the information is there. You can access it from anywhere you are. And two, it's easy to share. So yeah, Google Drive is my go-to. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, let's, let's go back to the whole setting up the, uh, the press conference thing, um, because I agree with you, um, people, you don't get taught yeah, at yeah. least in school. I mean, I didn't go to school for, for public relations, but you don't get taught formally anywhere. As far as I know how to set up a press conference or any kind of an event for that matter, right? Any kind of event mm -hmm. where you want PR attention and there's a whole lot to go into it. Oh um, yeah. Um, how do you go about setting that those wheels in motion, right? Let's say whether your press conference is tomorrow or whether it's, you know, two months from now, um, how do you start that process out? So, okay, we're, we've decided we're going to have a press conference because that's the big, the best way to do it. What do you do first? First is the location. You need to know where you're going to have it. Second is getting your key players. Who's going to be speaking at the press conference? Aside from the main spokesperson or the CEO, are there going to be any experts that need to speak? Are you going to have, let's say if it's a government conference, are you going to have any other politicians speak? Are you going to have a scientist maybe? So it depends. Um, and the, that's the first, the other thing after finding the location is getting who's going to speak, having them down on the list, creating an agenda to show them when they're going to be speaking. Um, and then after that, I would say is reaching out to the media and trying to make sure that they're coming. 
as well as creating that, before that, creating that press release, obviously, to tell them and the media advisory that this is going to be happening. And then the day of, I would, if you're going to be having a signed seating, I would print out the names. And that's something that might seem obvious, but it could be easily forgotten. And then just tape them on chairs to make sure that people know where they're sitting. Make sure you go the day before to the actual event to see what's going to be more conducive, where you're going to have your media, where are people going to sit? Are you going to need a backdrop? Or is the scene at where you're at the backdrop? So there's a lot of things that go into it. And the key here, I think, is staying organized, creating a list of what you're going to do, what have you done, what needs to be done, and also delegating. Don't try to do everything yourself because you're going to forget something. Delegate to other people. And teamwork makes the dream work. And I think that's true anywhere. Don't just do all the work yourself because aside from maybe forgetting something, you're going to get burnt out. And it's always good to have a second opinion. Like, let's say I think that one setup is most conducive, but the other person might see something wrong with it. And it's good to collaborate like that too. Yeah, totally right on all points. I'll add a couple in there. Um, one, I'll, I'll, I'll second what you said about um, teamwork. Um, you, no one person can possibly run a media event by themselves. Can't do it. No way. Not going to happen. So you either need to bring other members of your team in or you need to deputize people who are on the client team. If you're a solopreneur, mm -hmm. you need to deputize people who are on the client team to do things like greet the media when they arrive or, you know, check you know, tend to media during, during the, uh, the press conference or the event or, or what, whatever that is. Um, the other thing that I will add to your terrific list um, and what I find um, is very easy to forget, but it's absolutely essential. Um, we can, as PR people, we can get lost in the media advisory and the talking points and the, you know, the PA system and making sure that this is here and people are arriving on time is actually just framing everything up and getting people on the same page yep. um, in terms of what's going to happen and how it's going to happen. Because it's very easy for us as PR people who have done this a million times yeah. <laughs> to say, here's how it's going to go. And we all know how it's going to go. And how could you not know how this is going to go? Well, when you're dealing with a client who maybe has never done this before, or who was a novice, still a novice at doing it, you need to write out a prep document, uh, you know, a sketch, you know, I always do a run of show, for example, but then I'll also do kind of a prep document saying, especially for the, the speakers and the principals who are in the event, here's what's going to happen. Here's the order it's going to happen. And here's what you need to do. Here's some, here's who's coming, you know, here's, here's how it's going to go and sort of acclimate them to the environment that you are creating for them to make sure that they're getting their message across and they're, they're participating and accomplishing what they want you to accomplish for them. So I think prep and acclimation is, is hugely important when you're working with a client. Yeah, that's, that's very well said, especially for someone that hasn't done this before. I, I feel like for me, it was a bit easier getting into things because the the majority of the press releases that I did when working in government, for example, were with a very experienced politician. So he already knew how everything went. So that's an easy side. But yeah, I, I agree 100% with what you said. Yeah, that's the thing. You can you can work with people who are used to it, right, and get yeah. spoiled. And then all of a sudden you turn around, you work with a client who just is brand new at this and you forget and you go, oh, hold on. So I yes. think to your point of sort of uh, making this a regular thing and sort of always writing that prep document, always 
having that call before the event say, okay, here's how it's gonna go. Do you have any questions? Um, even if they they know exactly what's going to happen, that can be a three minute call, and they can go, "Yep, we're all good. We're solid. We'll be there. We'll see you, and it'll be great." Yep, and it's <laughs> good to ease the nerves too that they might have if they're new at it, because it's it can be pretty nerve wracking standing up in front of people and just talking. <laughs> it's very, it's right, it's very nerve wracking, and I I jokingly refer to a, a TV interview as the most awkward thing a human being can do. Oh yes. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. I mean, you got this big camera standing in front of you and maybe sometimes you're standing at a, you know, my, it's probably easier to stand at a podium and yes. give a speech for 20 cameras than it is to do a single interview with a single reporter and a single camera. I just find that to be an incredibly oh, yes. unnatural thing for a human being to do. <laughs> oh yes, I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. Let's pivot a bit and talk about PR and social media um, and creating a strong brand presence utilizing social media. Now, everybody knows social media, whether you're on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or wherever you are. And everybody kind of either, if they, if they do it and they have a comfort level, they think they can do it well. And mm -hmm. that's totally wrong. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about this, the, the benefit that social media has to PR. I mean, it may be obvious, but let's spell it out. Yeah, so social media, like we said, is a huge benefit to PR. Now, these are both disciplines based on communication and relationship building between your clients or the company and your target audience. Social media has a huge ability to distribute your information and messaging in real time, which amplifies the PR message. And it also allows PR to be stronger and more impactful. And here is also where we get to um, work on repurposing our content, like from a press release or emails, we repurpose it into social media posts. And that's a great way. One, you don't have to write new content, but also you're sharing the strongest points of your press releases and your other media materials within social media. Yeah, absolutely. I think every brand, um, if they want to get um, PR attention, they want to get earned media attention, they must, 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 and did I say must, be on social media, or at the very least one social media platform, and do that platform well, right? Yes. Probably the easiest one to do is Twitter. I um, think so. <laughs> and it's probably smartest, too, because a lot of journalists are on Twitter as well. Um, you know, and on Twitter, you can use photos if you want, but you don't necessarily have to. Um, the other one probably that's really good to be on for a, for a brand is probably LinkedIn, right? Yeah, I agree. And it also depends on your demographic. Like if you're B2B, I, I LinkedIn would be the one to go. But if you're trying to reach certain consumers, like if you're in the beauty industry, Instagram might be the one to go because you can actually show what your products are doing. Well, yeah, absolutely. And funny story, I, I read a story about a new ice cream shop that opened up um, about a 30 minute drive from, from me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was in the newspaper. And I was like, oh, great, I'm going to let's go take a look at this. Uh, you know, let's go to this place this weekend. And I go on their Instagram, and there was one picture, and it was of the owner. And I was like, show me your ice cream, dude. I want to see your ice cream. I don't care about you. I'll see your exactly. ice cream. And so I didn't go, I didn't bother. Yeah. <laughs> that's a funny, yeah, that, that's a huge one. You should definitely have Instagram for those purposes, because I mean, why would I take a 30 minute drive if I don't even know what the ice cream looks like? I should, I should have called the guy up and made him a client, but in any case, <laughs> <laughs> um, talk a little bit too about how social media and how it's good for reputation building. 
Yeah, so social media is great for branding and reputation building, which is a key part of PR. So on social media, brands can promote their products to a larger audience with a lower budget. And this is particularly beneficial for smaller businesses um, because larger businesses, they obviously have big budgets and huge pros that are doing the work for them. But um, smaller businesses tend to employ a mix of social media and influencer marketing and the big ones do too. And this is a great way to reach more people. And also here is where we can think about word of mouth marketing. Who are you going to buy from? Someone that you don't know anything about and don't trust, or let's say your mom who might recommend the product. And I think that's where we can use micro influencers on social media to one, help solidify your brand, but also help build your reputation that you are reliable or that your product is good or that it's worth it to buy, even if it's at a larger price. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. And, and we, we have a lot of conversations with clients about uh, influencers and influencer budgets and things like that. And, you know, spending, you know, however much money you can spend a million dollars, right. On an influencer budget. Um, To me, I think when you, especially when you're like a local business, um, I don't want to say mom and pop, but you're just, you're serving a local community. You're not, you know, like selling t-shirts to anyone who'll buy one, anyone on the planet. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's use the ice cream shop example, right? Yeah. Let, let's go back to that. To me, the best influencer strategy there is to enlist a whole bunch of teenagers who mm-hmm. have awesome TikTok accounts or Instagram accounts and say, you know what, come in once a week and I'll give you a free ice cream cone, put it on your Instagram or put it on your TikTok and like tell all your friends to come down. Um, yeah. and that costs virtually nothing, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't have to have a $10 million influencer budget to actually use an influencer strategy. Right. Right. And like I said before, the micro influencers might be more worth it to spend even a free ice cream cone or whatever price it is than larger influencers, because the larger ones might not even have a big conversion rate or might not even get as much engagement because you obviously aren't going to trust hundred percent what they say, because you know, they're getting paid versus a micro influencer. You don't know if they're getting paid or if that's their real opinion. Right. Right. And you know that Sally who goes to the local high school, who's got, you know, her 20 girlfriends and they all mm-hmm. go for ice cream on Saturday afternoon, you know, they're all, they're all going down with ice cream with Sally. Cause Sally's going to get a free ice cream. They're going to buy their ice cream. They're all going to put it on their Instagram. They're all, and, and yep. then all their parents are going to see it because you know, their parents are monitoring their, their yes. social. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're talking to a thousand people who live within 10 minutes of your ice cream shop. Yeah. And then you're the favorite ice cream shop of the town. <laughs> Boom, there you go, right? And you could put more pictures on your Instagram page and not yes. pictures of the owner. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, this has been a terrific conversation, Johanna. We're going we're gonna to segue now into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast. This is where we steal a page from inside the actor studio and ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions. And these are meant to elicit a simple answer, maybe a laugh or two, hopefully a laugh or two. We've been laughing here. So with your <laughs> indulgence, here we go. Rapid fire question number one, what is your favorite news source? Believe it or not, Snapchat for quick news. All right, Snapchat for news. Now I am not, I have a profile on Snapchat, but I don't really use it. Tell me how you use it a little bit. Well, I like Snapchat because the quick news bites, even if it's, let's say the New York Times, or I believe the Wall Street or Washington Journal are on there. Um, they show you the quick news and it's entertaining too because sometimes they'll have videos and the information is quick. You don't have to read like a three-page article. 
So it's quick snippets and it gets right to the point. So that's why I really like Snapchat. All right. So you're using them as a news aggregator. That's smart. Yep. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Rapid fire question number two. What is your favorite social media platform? Twitter. Twitter. Yes. We're yeah. all on the Twitter, right? Yeah. And there was a poll that, that was out just a little while ago about uh, reinforcing the fact that Twitter is the number one social media platform for journalists. Journalists are on Twitter. Yep. They're using it to connect with people. They're using it to connect with sources. Um, yeah. Couldn't, couldn't agree more. Rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol? Coffee. Oh, there you go. All right. How many cups a day and how do you take oh, it? It depends. Um, sometimes it's one cup with a little bit of cream. Sometimes it's no cream at all. And sometimes it can be three cups. Depends on the day. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> I've had some of those rapid fire yeah. question. Number four, what's your favorite on the run food? Starbucks. Well, that makes sense, right? Yep. <laughs> Quick coffee and All a right. small bite. <laughs> All right. And rapid fire question number five, what do you want to be after you finish this career? I would actually love to teach through online courses. And that's great to mention that because I'm actually in the process of creating an IMC course that hopefully launches this month in July. I'm working on it, but my end goal is to teach people and to help them like the small mom and pop shops. Oh, that is, that is fantastic. I love to hear that. And I love to hear people um, who are utilizing online in a really um, smart, you know, business oriented way. I think so much of our attention on online is almost used as like infotainment mm -hmm. and to see more and more PR people. And I know of a whole bunch. Um, and now you're joining the, the ranks of the people I know um, who are using online to cre actually create courses and enhance their business. That's, that's terrific. I wish you a lot of luck. Thank you. Well, Johanna, this has been a great conversation. Please let people know how they can find you online and, and probably find the course, right? Yes. Well, you can find the course, you can find me online and my blog at jmintegratedmarketing.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Johanna. And thank you everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The PR Podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all your photography needs. You can find me online on Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.